Hello and welcome to this MLEX podcast. If you're listening to us, it means that you are indeed familiar with the Best of MLEX series which this podcast is associated with. My name is James Paniki. I'm MLEX's Brussels Managing Editor and I'm coming to you from the MLEX office just a stone's throw away from the European institutions here in the Belgian capital. We're recording this podcast on the week of the inauguration of Donald Trump as the 45th President of the United States of America. Journalists across MLEX's services in all of our bureaus, that's bureaus with an X, have been grappling with the election of Trump and what it means for their policy areas. And our energy reporters are certainly no exception. Laurel Henning is a senior energy correspondent and recently penned a very fine piece of analysis on what Trump's threats to abandon UN climate agreements could mean for the EU and indeed the world. Hello, Laurel. Hi, James. Now, firstly, what has Trump had to say about climate change and about the UN International Climate Accord before uh, his election and since his election? So climate change, much like many topics that uh, Donald Trump has lent his opinion to, is an area where he's just certainly not minced his words. Um, Via his favourite social media platform, Twitter, uh, Donald Trump has called climate change bullshit in the past and a hoax invented by the Chinese. That's a a literal quote of what he said we should should (laughs) emphasise. Indeed. Thanks for saying that. Um, And that's something that he then went on to deny during one of the presidential uh, debates uh, when he was debating with Hillary Clinton. Um, So this is something that he changes his mind on once, twice, three times. He just keeps going back and forth whenever it suits him, really. And, 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 that, and that is obviously a problem for those who are trying to work out what, uh, what to expect from the new administration. But what kind of impact could his comments or could these political plans of his have on the renewable energy industry? As you say, a change of st- stance for um, industry, for companies working in particularly the renewable energy industry, it creates massive uncertainty. Um, and the the day of, I think, or just after uh, Donald Trump's uh, election win, um, the US's largest solar panel maker, First Solar, uh, saw a 6.5% drop in its share value. And Vesta Wind, the world's biggest wind turbine manufacturer, suffered a 10% blow to its share price. And that's just naming a few companies. Others also saw um, sort of hardship to their to their share price. So, so in other words, these companies were uh, panicking at the prospect of no longer being part of the solution. Exactly. I think there was panic across global markets and renewable energy is an industry that um, that panic was particularly evident. And how likely is it that the US will will leave the UN climate deal. So how likely is it that Trump, the Trump administration, will in fact want to match the president's rhetoric with with action? Uh, And if it were to go down that path, how would it come about? Okay, so um, just after his election, Trump actually, as I say, this is something he's sort of tiptoed around or not tiptoed around, changed his mind on a few times. So just after the election, he was saying, oh, you know, perhaps I can keep an open mind on this topic. I think it was in one of his first interviews that he said that. Um, and his Secretary of State nomination, Rex Tillerson, the former ExxonMobil uh, chief, has said that it's important for the US uh, to still be at the table uh, on UN climate talks. Having said that, he also said that there's Um, sort of inconsistent uh, literature on whether climate change is really related to extreme weather or making extreme weather events more likely. He doesn't see that climate change is an imminent national security threat. And if the US is the only global leader, then why aren't others also taking this seriously? So that's from uh, Donald Trump's nomination for Secretary of State. 
So if we have his closest aide saying that the US should stay at the negotiating table, that's not because of the importance of fighting climate change. It's more because the US would just want to make sure that its voice was still heard at the UN negotiating level. So that's sort of why the US could stay in. Now, if it left, um, that's a process that has already been written into that global climate accord that was agreed at the end of 2015. It's a process that would take three years or could happen three years after the UN accord entered into force, which was uh, November 4th of last year. But the process then takes an additional year. So we would we could see, if that happened, we could see the US leaving that agreement by November 4th, 2020, by which time the US would have just gone through another national election, um, which it would have held the day before. Um, now, there is one other way that the US could leave the UN accord, and that's by leaving the, the sort of climate authority, the UN's climate authority that holds these talks all together, the UNFCCC, the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. And that's something that no country has done since uh, that organisation was set up in 1992. So it would be be highly unusual, it would be an unprecedented move. But if it were to happen, uh, what would that mean for for the deal? What uh, what would be the implications? Well, not only a massive slap in the face for two decades of um, diplomatic negotiations on one of the biggest uh, topics of our of our time, um, but I think what you would see, and actually what we're already seeing, um, is a is a movement towards um, diplomatic negotiations and a focus with diplomatic negotiations with China, um, because suddenly this is the biggest emitter or this could be the biggest emitter under the Paris Agreement and really the credibility of that accord hangs in the balance of what China does. And, and China would presumably welcome this, this, uh, this renewed focus on, on its role in, in uh, addressing these problems or not? I would think that it would. I mean, I can only think that it would give it an advantage in negotiations where um, China has sort of really dug its heels in in the past, things like uh, finance for developing nations. That's something where suddenly China could have more weight. Also, perhaps in the um, design of carbon markets across the world, uh, China will set up or is scheduled to set up its national carbon market this year, which would make it home to the world's largest carbon market, overtaking the EU. Um, so that's another area where it would have a lot of influence. And more importantly for us here in Brussels, what would all of this mean for the EU? So the day after the election, uh, I was actually at a conference with some uh, energy sort of grid operators and network um, industry folk. And they are trusting, and understandably so, in the trickle-down effect of an election like this, where you hope, uh, when you're at an industry level, that it will take a lot of time for any sort of inflammatory statement which could turn into a policy to affect you directly. So that's sort of what they're holding to to begin with. But just as sort of um, a concrete example of what they're worried about, um, EU and US um, energy infrastructure owners and operators work together a lot on the planning of infrastructure, on how renewable energy should be distributed, because actually there are a few similarities between how the EU is trying to design its single market and the US's infrastructure network on how it might improve that with more renewable energy connected to a grid. So there's a lot of collaboration that could be thrown into disarray as a result of this election. So to be blunt, EU policymakers and uh, EU industry are sort of Um, waiting to see if Donald Trump will be um, a man of his word and stick to his pre-election plans. And I should think they're hoping that he isn't. 
and uh, until uh, until they work out exactly what is going to happen, all they've got to go by is presumably his uh, Twitter feed. Uh, so they're probably in the same boat as the, the rest of us on that front. <laughs> but Laurel, thank you very much for walking us through this issue. It's been great fun. Thanks, James. If you want to read Laurel's analysis of the implications for the EU and for the world energy policy of the Trump presidency, it is there in all of its glory in the Best of MLEX series. Its title is Trump's Plans to Abandon UN Climate Deal Puts EU Projects in Doubt. The author is Laurel Henning. I'm James Paniki. Thank you very much for listening. Bye for now.